With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Friends, the Padres Hot Tub is sponsored by Estate Leak Detection and Plumbing. I'm thrilled to introduce you all to my buddy Walter. Walter and I grew up on the sport fishing boats of San Diego. And then he went off to start a new career, laying pipe. He started his business, Estate Leak Detection and Plumbing. And ever since, he's been snaking drains and taking names, baby. Uh, call him at 619-300-7203. Go online. Estate Leak Detection and Plumbing has a, has a bunch of lovely, unsolicited, perfect five-star reviews from people whose lives have been made a little bit easier by Wally. They gave him a call at 619-300-7203 when, when they had an emergency or, or if they had a project they were working on. A few years back, I had a burst pipe in a wall. I would have cut off my pinky to have Wally in my neighborhood. Give him a call at 619-300-7203. Save that number. Help yourself out. Estate Leak Detection and Plumbing, Your other friends, Craig and Rafey, are out on vacation, so they left the guy without a job to, to tend to the home fires. So I invited in an old friend coming in from the cold. It's your old buddy, John Gennaro. John Gennaro, how are you, sir? Excuse me, coming in from the cold? I thought it was cold in here. I thought everyone was miserable here. I thought no, I was coming in from the tub. It's a well, tub of hotness. That's true. But everyone's you're mad here. You're the, you're the one with the tub. You're the one who, I, don't, I haven't been in a hot tub in two years. How do I know how a hot tub works and you don't? I mean, I know how hot tubs work. I'm just saying, if, if I had to pick which, where, which, which place to be, uh, in the Padres hot tub or <laughs> vaguely affiliated with the San Diego Padres, <laughs> I think I'd, I'd choose the other way. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, my point is, guys, it's your old buddy, John. He's going to help me through this week to get us through uh, through this just amazing scheduling on our part. But it couldn't be at a better time. Uh, you know, things have not been great for our boys in Brown. That's putting it mildly. They've dropped eight of their last ten right at a, an absolutely imperative moment for them in terms of where they need to be heading into the trade deadline where they want to be just at the midway point and, and where they want to be in October. Cause right now, John, it looks like they're going to be at their homes, getting their remodels started, figuring out 
what what their uh, what what new cooking device they're gonna buy and post Instagram videos of until they have to leave in February. Uh, that's what it looks like for them unless they decide to play some baseball. Yeah, it does. Uh, by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the job that you have not yet done, which is uh, anyone who mm. wants to watch this on YouTube. Uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's gonna go there. Um, Chris is just like full out mm-hmm. open shirt, chest out, which. We we had a long, lengthy, interesting, deep conversation on banter about having the confidence to put yourself out there, and you are nailing it right now. You are just oh, really putting yourself out there. This is a tribute to Luke Voigt. I'm sure all the Padres fans saw a video of him in Syracuse just being the magnificent beast that he is on the sleeveless shirt night, uh, chest moss out. And just popping jacks off the scoreboard like we know he can do for AAA ball club. So that's my little tribute to him. Uh, I hope you see it, Luke, uh, and know that the Padres love you even, and maybe even especially because you're in Syracuse. By the why especially? What's up with Syracuse? Just that he's not, you know, playing. Here. Oh, he's not like on a rival team or something. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I actually think that Luke Voigt, like the last month or so he was with the Padres I felt like he was like figuring it out and he was starting to play and I was so like if they had wanted to sign him this year be like hey we need a DH like come on I would have been totally fine with it totally yeah. fine with it um I have a handful of uh I have a handful of takes um mm, written takes. down that I want to get to but I, I want to people miss I want to start with with one uh specifically because <laughs> Um, I listened to uh, exactly how many minutes was I on group therapy this week? 10. I listened to exactly 10 minutes of group therapy this week, but you listened to it. You just listened to what you said. I mean, I listened cause I was there on it live. Oh, I didn't go okay. back yet, but the, the previous episode uh, you guys were, this is, this is the best time to, by the way, guest host Padres hot tub. Um, because the, you know, the best part about this season is like, we, we spent time on banter talking about like how Padres hot tub kind of turns watching baseball into a job. You know what you haven't really had to do for many, many months now. You haven't had to pay attention to any team, but the San Diego Padres, like what the Dodgers are doing what the diamondbacks are doing what the giants are doing completely irrelevant to the Padres. Like it doesn't matter. It's all it is is a measuring stick to make you feel bad. So just ignore it. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't exist, but um, I I love good baseball, John. So I have to look elsewhere from time to time. I can't. No, know, that's if fair. I, if I Pe- eat this flavored ice cream, you know, pecan and dick. If I eat that until until October, I'm not going to be able to handle it. I need some. It's more like you know the oh the Diamondbacks are coming to town. What have they been up to lately? <laughs> I don't know. Who cares? We <laughs> suck. Um, but I I heard uh, the episode before this. So I guess the last actual episode of Padres Hot Tub. I was listening and Craig just kept coming back and saying the same point. And then like you and Rafi would agree with him. And I wanted to like rip my skull open because mm. all of you seem to agree. You can't give up on this year and you can't sell off everything you have. And I, I, I'm not going to come in here. Like I'm the smart guy. It's been a week. Have you changed your mind on that? Because I am like, if I could drive the bus, <laughs> I would drive the bus to take Blake Snell and Josh Hader and probably Juan Soto uh, and anything else that anyone wants that's not 
Fernando Tatis Jr. And I would drive Why them not? to whatever. He has so much value, John. Tatis no. Jr. has so much value. No, because the, the argument for trading the other guys is Tatis. If if you here's the thing. Comparatively, if they let Snell walk, the pick they're gonna get. 10 years from now and when is not even going to make the majors by time Tatis's contract is up. Yeah. It drops from like a mid after the first, it drops down to the fourth. So you're talking about from blue chips to like, maybe they'll be Ty France if they're the one in 50 and Ty France still going to take like six years to get here. Yeah. You have the best starting pitcher on the market and he's going to walk after this year. You have the best closer on the market. He's going to walk after this year. And you probably have the best hitter on the market who's probably going to walk after next year. And you have a farm system that has nothing in it. You have no one in AAA that you think could ever be anything at the major league level. Like, I'm not saying ship off all these guys for a bunch of 18-year-olds, although I'm sure that it is almost exactly what would happen. I'm saying ship them off and try and get one or two of these like blue chip prospects that are at double a or triple a. And the plan is they're going to be in the majors September of this year. Like those are the guys that I want. And I want, if if you're selling Snell hater and Soto, I want like five of those guys. And the idea being Tatis is here for another like 10 years. Machado's here for like another 10 years. Bogart's here for another 10 years. If you can turn those three guys into like five really good guys that you have under control for like eight years, you have opened a window of some sort. All right, sure. And speak to the sanity of the other guys. Let me just say that they came up with a, the team needed to go five and four for them to feel like comfortable holding on to these guys. And since then, if you'll recall, John, not, not there, they've won one game. Yep. Uh, Which was the number, the insane person, being me, uh, I will claim o- ownership of this completely crazy take. Uh, so they have to win one, and I, I don't want them to sell. And that's still true. I think there is value on having Blake Snell and Josh Hader on the team in the 1-15 in 15 shot this team finds itself. 1-20? One, one in, one in what like is that is that I was, is it the measurement? I was shaking I wasn't shaking my head at the one and fifteen. You're probably right about the one and fifteen. I was shaking my head at I just think that they have positioned themselves in a way that makes two thousand twenty three and two thousand twenty four so important. They've already they've already sold off a lot of these guys, these organizational deaf guys, these twenty five to forty guys. They're all they're all gone. And they have a plan to have the big four bats on their club carrying them through the playoffs uh, with, with three or four good arms and, and a closeout bullpen. And if you lose Blake Snell and Josh Hader, that is gone. It, it's not recoverable for this year. And right. this year and next year are so important that I think that tilts the scales in a way that makes you not function like you would in any other year. That said, it depends on what the market's going to turn up, man. If they unload Blake Snell and Josh Hader and, and get back a, a couple consensus top 20 
top 25 guys, you know, that are going to contribute possibly to 2024 and 2024, like is the year I'm looking at, then I have, then I have less problems with it. But if it's a deal where they're getting back four, five, you know, single a guys, high a guys, guys that you, you look to contribute in five, six years, I don't, I don't think that helps you all that much. And uh, so, yeah, I, I haven't really changed it. I'm just fine if Blake Snell and Josh Hader are Padres till the end of this year and we get to see them play. I do think there's a value in just having the guys on your team. Uh, that said, Josh Hader did say some things this week that kind of changed my perspective on him. Did you see that? Wait, no. And I want to come back to that, but I want to argue your point. You All said right. there's, a, there's a value in having Blake Snell and Josh Hader on this team the rest of the year. What is that value? The value is the 1 in 15 chance they make the playoffs? No, Well, there's that, but even if that goes away, if they're completely out of the picture in September, you got Blake Snell coming in. You get to see him. No, 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 but that matters for you. Like yeah. there's there's a positive value for the fans, but there's a yeah. negative value for the team because there's abandoned value that they could have had at the trade. Potential, deadline. potential. I mean, like that's what I'm getting at. Like I kind of trust uh to an extent the general manager to do his job. And if he gets a trade that is along the lines of what they got for Castillo last year, where they got, I want to say the 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 Mar the Mariners sent Noel V. Marte, who was their number two prospect in the system, their number three, and like their number five. And the two and three guys were each, you know, top 50 baseball America prospects. It was a good trade. It was heavy. Then, yeah, like the Padres got to do something like that. But if it's a typical trade market uh, where, where these clubs don't really have that in their system, and they have, you know, really high potential younger guys. I don't want that so much. And that's where I fear it'll go. I mean, you're probably right. But I, at this point, if anyone tells you, I think the Padres are making the playoffs this year, you'd call them fucking crazy. And so at that point, <laughs> you probably just need to get the most value out of what you have whether or not it's good for the fans because you're running a business here. And like part of the business is when things aren't going bad, you change and you make them better and it's getting the most value out of your assets. And like, what's going to change? And I understand the answer to what's going to change is also the question of like, what's wrong with the team and nobody knows, but let me make another argument for you. Blake Snell is 30 years old. He'll be 31 when he hits free agency. But he has the mind of a boy, John. You know it. Sure. Here are the numbers of innings pitched for Blake Snell every year of his career. His rookie season, he threw 89 innings because he wasn't up the whole year. 129. 180 being the year he won the Cy Young. Mm -hmm. 107. 50. 128. 128 and this year 87 through 16 starts so if he goes the entire season without getting seriously injured he'll be at 170 innings which he hasn't done since 2018 
wouldn't now be the time to like trade Blake Snell before he either suffers an injury or goes downhill because he hasn't had a workload like this in five years? Or the 4% chance that he carries San Diego to its first championship? Uh, like, do How's that bring, working right now? You bring valid points. I bring helium-filled, uh, but still like within the Earth's gravity points. I And if the trade package, I'm not even going to say, like, it's not win yet, but it, man, the, the current is pulling us towards a Blake Snell trade. I, I feel it in my bones. They won one game this week. Uh, if the package comes back, and it's guys who can help the team in 2024 and put the club on a positive pudding going past that. I won't be disappointed uh, that we don't get to hear Blake Snell talk with mud and, and uh, Don quite as badly as I will at just losing the entertainment, the entertaining presence of Blake Snell. I do come at this from a fan. Like that's what I am. I can cosplay as a, a GM to a certain extent, but they won't let me play a doctor, John. They're certain as hell not going to let me play like a, a, a Princeton-educated executive. So I can only put myself in the shoes that they'll, they'll let me wear. A Cornell, and, I think, for Preller. Well, I knew it was Ivy League. It's a shirt. I mean, it's weird that I knew it was Cornell. Big Red. <laughs> they shouldn't talk about Big Red. Don't talk about Big Red like that. Um. So, yeah, man, that's kind of where I fall on it. But uh... but here's the thing. if And you just said we're, we're veering closer and closer to a Blake Snell trade. If you trade Blake Snell, you might as well trade Josh Hader. Oh, I, I'm, I'm way more on the trade Josh Hader bit. Sure. After what he said, to, after what he said, the whole. Oh, okay. All right. Let's, let's go into that, and then I'll finish what I was about to say. What, what did Josh Hader say? Because I don't pay attention to anything anymore. I don't have the direct quotes on me, so this is going to be a... Uh... You know, paraphrasing for, for the folks out there. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Writing stuff down. He basically said that he's not going to pitch more than an inning because it's his choice. It's his body, his choice. He doesn't feel like he pitches better. He doesn't feel like it, 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 it helps the team because there is a hypothetical situation where they'll need him more later. Um, and my problem with that is that it's obvious the Padres have needed him more than ever the past week in the high leverage situations as the bullpen falls apart. And if the team asks him to come in in the eighth and, and pitch two innings to the ninth in a game where they're, they need to stop the bleeding, that a good teammate says yes. And, you know, maybe pitches at 98% in order to not get hurt or or takes whatever mitigating steps he does to take care of himself while also prioritizing the team's needs. And then if it, you need a certain amount of guys in the clubhouse that are that way. And uh, Josh Hader is not one of those guys. So I feel a little, I, I'm way less attached to him. Okay. Um, I think Josh Hader is totally 
in the right in what he said. Um, he said that when he was with Milwaukee too, he was like, I don't want to pitch more than one inning and I don't want to pitch three times in three days. It's bad for my body. And you know what? Josh Hader for dude who throws really hard has been really healthy. So like, there's a chance that he's just right about this. And I know it pisses people off because they're like, no, dude, if you pitch every day, the bullpen will be great. And he's like, no, dude, if I pitch every day, my body will fall apart. And well, I that's think that- sure that's fine. Like every day, but he hadn't pitched in like seven days. I want to say, well, like he has, been, he has been sitting on the bench and being useless. Like, sure. Get guys who can hit. Yeah. But part of the formula is having bang out, close out in the back end. And if your team isn't giving you that, like step up. That's all. And like, it took me a long time to get to this take, man, because I've been giving him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, the team has all their algorithms, uh, Ruben Nueva's pitch chart on how guys should pitch. But it sounds like he was asked and said no, which is a different thing. I think like the, 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 the team also has profound interest in keeping guys healthy and keeping them performing at a high level. And I actually, so do it, someone someone asked me this today and they were like do you think part of the problem with the bullpen is that melvin pulls the starter after six innings every game and i don't know if that's true enough to even comment on it but i will anyway which is to say that like until all hope is lost these guys have to compete they're competitors it's what they do until all hope is lost they will compete with the idea of we need to have something left in the tank so when we make it to the playoffs, we can actually do damage in the playoffs. They're not just going to go all out now because things are bad because in their head, and they may or may not be right, if they go all out now, even if things get good, they'll run out of gas and they'll just go bad later. It's kind of like we got to figure out how to do it without going all out now so that we can be a successful team later, but they just might not be built that way. Um would you like to hear a weird theory about Manny Machado? That, <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I don't know where we talked about this. It might have been in one of the, the Patreon-only uh, things. But you tease me with this. I have been thinking about this while seeing all sorts of uh, QAnon Manny Machado takes come out of Padre's Twitter. This was going to be my first question. Is like, can you provide me with some of the reasons you have heard that people are saying Manny Machado is bad now, or more specifically, because this this ties be- better into my conspiracy theory, is like, why has Manny seem- seemingly gone from good leader to bad leader almost overnight? That's, okay. that's, that's where I want to hear what the theories are, because maybe someone already hit this, and I'm just not paying attention. Let me just start with the list of everything, because it's a fun list. Okay. Uh, it was the World Baseball Classic, and then the Dominican Republic's failure in that. Sure. It's the pitch clock, because he's... Uh, you know, a guy who has been very particular about how he operates in his at-bats. We saw it last year during the playoffs, him doing timeouts whenever he felt like it. All that strategy got taken away. Uh, third, he's hurt. He might have a backache. He might have a hamstring ache. He might have a broken finger. Well, we know he's got that. Um, other things would be that he got his bag and is now lazy and doesn't care about anything anymore. He just wants to be on his boat and show up and play third base. 158 times a year um and uh, another one is that he's he hates sandra bogarts they don't get along another one is that he hates fernando tatis 
and they don't get along. And, you know, uh, I think I think I've kind of gotten to the exhaustive list uh, of why people think Manny Machado is bad now. Okay. Um, a lot of those things have legitimacy to them. Um, oh, and he's old and his bat speed's slower, which, you know, Sarah's proof was wrong. I mean, a lot of these things are wrong with a hint of right. Um, so here's my Manny Machado conspiracy theory. So Manny Machado signs with the Padres in 2019. And Hosmer's there, right? Hosmer brought him in. Hosmer's his guy. Clubhouse leader. And then uh, after 2020, no, no, no. After 2019, I believe. So after his first year, maybe it was after 2020. After one of those seasons, the Padres bring in to be, I think, their third base coach. Manny's favorite coach from Baltimore. Sure. Bobby Dickerson. Bobby Dickerson. And I remembered this for two specific reasons. One, you remember the fight between Tatis and Machado in the dugout, right? Oh, for sure. And who was the 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 conge- the, 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 the the catalyst for that? Bobby Dickerson. Bobby Dickerson. Right? And so I think Manny thought like, okay, um, Bobby's in. This guy Tingler is not going to last long, and me and Haas are going to run the clubhouse. So I'm going to have my guy on the manager's desk, and I'm going to and me and and Haas are going to run the clubhouse. And I think that plan went awry several different ways. Number one, Bobby Dickerson out. He left when uh, when Bowmel got here, basically, and, and, and was I mean basically thrown under the bus by Fernando Tatis's dad. Yeah. You know, really, really had, uh, you know, some bad things said about him. Right. So he's camp. he's gone. And then Haas is gone. Just thrown into Boston. Get the hell out of here. All of his guys are gone. And we want Jay Groom in that 11 ERA in AAA. I thought it was uh, very interesting. The reaction of Tati, the reaction of Tatis after he failed the drug test. And then the reaction to Tatis when he came back to actually play for the team. Cause I felt like after the drug test, that was a point in which, cause I feel like Manny's always had a little bit of frustration about the fact that he's not ever really the best player on the Padres. Like he came over in 2019. He didn't have a very good year in 2020. Tatis was the best player in 2021. Tatis was the best player in 2022. Manny was here, but then we got Juan Soto, who's even better than him, right? Like, I feel like Manny came here to be the centerpiece, and he's never been the centerpiece. And he was like, well, at least I can run shit because I got my guy here and I got my guy there, and now they're gone. And now it's like, you're not the centerpiece. You're not picking the manager. You're not the guy. You're you're nothing. You're you're, you're a player on Fernando Tatis Jr. team. You're a player on AJ Preller's team. Like, you're a player on the San Diego Padres. You're not the guy. And... I think that frustration boiled over to um, I think this is part of what led to his little like off season. Like, yeah, I think I'm just going to opt out, test out the market, blah, blah, blah. And then they once again threw a fuck ton of money at him. And so I don't think he's lazy. I think he's, I think it's a little bit, all these things. I think he's hurt. I don't think he's as motivated, but I think he's very, very frustrated. And I think the guys that, would be able to pull him out of that frustration and be like, we need you. You got to step up are 
Hosmer, Bobby Dickerson. Um, I think the Padres had some hope that um, Nelly Nelly could be that guy, but Nelly's busy trying to be a MLB level player at like he, he's, and he's also, he just got here. Like, yes, he was kind of head of the Dominican team, but Tatis wasn't there. And now Tatis is here and he's the best player on the team. So it's like the dynamics can't be the same as the Dominican team was right. So I think the Padres throwing out Hosmer was like a thing they had to do. And the, but I think the Bobby Dickerson thing and the Hosmer thing combined with like all of this stuff led like, okay. So I just went through NBA free agency, right? And I'm a, I'm a Mavericks (laughs) fan and the Mavericks just signed Kyrie Irving to a $40 million a year, year deal. No leader bidding against nobody. Yeah. And the common refrain is if no one else was going to sign him, why would you give him $40 million? And the answer is, because we need to make him feel like a superstar because if we don't make him feel like a superstar, he's, if we signed him to a $20 million a year deal, he'd sign it and he'd come in pissed off and he wouldn't be as good a player and he wouldn't be bought in and he wouldn't be a team guy and he wouldn't be helping with the chemistry. He would just be, I'm here to collect my check and go home. And I feel like there's a little bit of that happening with the Padres and like the first instances of it. I don't know if you can hear my dog barking back there. The first instance of this was like, we were, we were all about like, why are they just changing Will Myers position every three months? This is not a thing that like teams do to players. This is actually kind of a fucked up thing to do. And like, I think Preller treats players, you know, kind of like they're they're not human they're chess pieces yeah, right like they're mlb the show right like and, cards or or fantasy baseball players yeah and i think i think there there are some people around there that are like yeah manny like we totally value your opinion and side like i'll meet you in colorado so you can show me the locker rooms that you want us to get like i value your opinion and i think aj preller is just like man who Ma- who's manny oh third base Tell him to call me when he hits. Like, I think that there's, it's not quite there, but I think it's that, I think Manny has seen that this is not Baltimore where he was the guy for the Orioles. He's like one of several guys for the Padres. And I think that that is ending up not being exactly what he thought he was signing up for. Rafey's talked about that in a broader sense, not just isolated to Manny, but as far as the performance of all the big four. You know, there's not one guy that that's the obvious. I hate to use this friggin' word. It, it almost, I'm not going to say it. Who's the numero uno? I'll say it that way. And of all the things I'm curious about this Padres club, the locker room dynamics are, are big because we saw it spill over in 2021. And then in 2022, we saw the winning vibes. You know, we saw a team that was just doing well together towards the end of the year and playing well at the right time. And that's the club we're always going to remember, right? Uh, you know, coming together, the beating the Dodgers, the, the how great it felt to see Jake Cronenworth get a, an extra or a base hit and, 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 you know, slay the dragon. This club has never felt like that. It has never felt like they were congealed or, you know, one unit pulling in the same direction. It's felt all year. And this is something we talked about back in April or in May 
Like when they're behind it one two nothing, it feels like the game is out of reach. And you don't feel that on dangerous baseball teams that are playing together, that are actual teams where the clubhouse has guys who who like each other. The the celebrations, one of the reasons why the Padres aside from the Polaroid, it felt kind of yucky is because they just feel kind of like we need to celebrate. We must do this. We got to do it. So let's get a pinata. Yeah. Try that. Let's try. This is what I, this is what I grew to hate with the um, swag chain. The swag chain was the worst. Swag chain was the best in the beginning. And then they like went on that terrible losing streak and things were so sad. And like someone would hit a home run. They'd be like, Hey, went on the swag chain. And it's like down seven, two. And this is to to go into to bleed into our conversation about acting and, and banter. Like it's performative. They're yeah. obviously acting. You're right. And and you know who that benefits? You know who that helps? Nobody. Yeah. It does nothing. Yeah, it's like, not real chemistry. It's nothing you've built up. It's it's a procedure. It's it's a yeah, it's it's like going and taking a practice swing. Like it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It doesn't fire anybody up. There's no creativity. There's no chemistry. It's literally like, so uh, we need to do one of those things where someone hits a double. They look back at the the dugout. What are we gonna do? Uh, maybe one of the, one of these things. You know who the guy we... last year who this guy was for the team? It was Jerickson Profar. It was just performative. Sense. No, no, no. That that brought a oh. guy that may, you know could kind of like not check Manny, but at least like was a vet, like had been a number one prospect. Like, I feel like he was one of these guys that Manny you, that you talk about could be one of Manny's lieutenants, and he he he's totally not there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the ages on the team, um, Soto's twenty four, Tatis is twenty four, Kim is twenty seven, and English is his second language. Bogarts and Machado are the same age; they're both thirty. Grisham's twenty six, Gary Sanchez thirty, Odor's twenty nine. Like among hitters manny's the oldest guy on the team bogarts might be a couple days older i don't know but they're the same age right and you're right in that i think profar is older than him had more experience than him um i think it maybe even been to a world series before and like yeah yeah like i i do kind of think he needs a guy who can get his head back in the game and i don't know who that guy is on this roster and and it's oh nelson cruz sorry amongst older guys nelson cruz is 42 oh, yeah matt, matt carpenter's, carpenter's 37 too, 30. but i i didn't see regulars. them because they were all the way with the negatives on on war <laughs> i was looking them up by war they were austin nola austin also down here and older well, that's than what men. i mean all but those like, three guys are the guys who would be able to do it and they can't because they're sucking this year and when you're sucking you can't speak up like that's that's yeah. a thing you have. You get equity when you play well and when you contribute. I, there's, um, there's a part of me that wants to see Tatis like grab Machado at some point, just be like, "It's not about you," and they'll just like they'll do it, but backwards. Um, I, I like I like Manny's off season decisions better, no matter what they cost the Padres, uh, because he does he does play. I the explanations for Manny Machado's year. Uh, are probably unexplainable. It's probably a mystery, but I do think the impact on the Padre season, I think that there's some clubhouse thing going on is 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kind of undeniable at this point. And how you fix that, I have no freaking clue, man. Like, uh, that goes back to curses. And uh, I, you, don't, you don't do like a spell. I don't, I don't know how you, what sage you have to burn, what ghost you have to exercise, what team building improv show you have to go to to get those guys like literally in the same boat um but you can tell they haven't done it because they have a six game losing streak they have a three game winning streak they're they're not winners no and you know it's i i told someone about a year ago that i thought the padres were trying to build this system where they were going to be the most team friendly player friendly sorry not team friendly they were going to be the most player friendly team in all of baseball and they were yeah, going to be the team I, I that, that every player wants not, to go to yeah no be, arbitration none of that we're, we're no arbitration you're we're always going to tack on a, a player option year to the back of your contract that you know you you're definitely not going to pick up unless your value is literally zero and then we're going to be on the hook for paying you x amount of dollars like the contracts are all done in a way that is just so over the top player friendly. That's why I thought that there was like a chance. There was a chance before this season started that Juan Soto was going to sign. I, I'm convinced of it. And I think those chances are significantly less now because he can't be having a good time here. He he's, he's got to be seeing like the, the incompetence, the confusion, the front office that doesn't seem to know why things are bad or how to fix them. Um, and he's seen he's seen organizations when they're humming. He's seen when the machine's going, and he's seen when it's broken. Yeah, yeah. But like, you look at this team, and next year it's going to be even harder. Like, they're just they're they're going to have all of these salaries that are huge, and then they're going to have holes that they have to fill. Like, you know, Seth Lugo might opt out. That's a player option. So you might end up with Snell gone. Lugo gone, Waka gone, Nick Martinez gone. Um, unless that... uh, well, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I, I mean, it's I a, it says, it says I have club a lot of numbers for... here about Nick Martinez. Okay, let's say let's he's talk about Nick... his player Marti- his player option. It's not a player option. Yeah, he has a player option. Sure, that says club. Let me verify. Uh, he's, yeah, he's he's got like some long term security in in the form of a player option of some sort. I thought so too, but according to Spotrack, yeah, I know. The next but... the next two years are club options. Um, 
Anyway, let's talk about Nick Martinez because right, so like I like Nick Martinez a lot. Do you do you like BDN? I like his personality. I like his fire. Yeah, um, that's it. He's a bulldog. He's a competitor. Yeah. You ask him to pitch a certain amount of innings, he's going to go out to do it. You, you ask him to do anything, he's basically going to do it because he's got his bag, right? Yeah. He has to, he has some issues though. He's not a perfect player. No, he's not perfect, and he's been getting absolutely creamed lately. Uh, his last seven games, dude has a 13 and a half ERA. That, that's what we, we call substandard in the business. In his last five games, he has a 15 and a half ERA. In his last three games, he has a 27 ERA. Well, he had that Pittsburgh game, and that's where things all kind of went off the rails for him. And if you'll remember, that was the bunt game. Yeah. This was the game where, where uh, Nick Martinez came in with, uh, uh, I think he was, I think he was up. He might not, might, yeah, I think he was up. If he wasn't up, he was down like one. And the game was well within reach. And uh, he, uh, he, he, he gave up a, uh, uh, a, a, like a, a little bouncy ground ball. Uh, to Nick Gonzalez to lead off the ender. And, and Sander Bogarts fielded it, but he couldn't make the throw because he's not our team's best shortstop. And then on the next batter, Nick Martinez uh, wouldn't throw his sinker anymore because he threw so many in his first batter. Uh, and so he walked the guy. He had no control of the cutter, which gets absolutely smashed. Uh, and and then his third batter, uh, I forget which player it friggin' was. Uh, it doesn't matter. He's not a good hitter. He goes up to bunt because he's got two guys on. He tries to bunt. He does everything in his power to bunt, but the ball somehow hits his hand as it hits the bat, and the umpire uh, rules it a, a hit by pitch. They they go to replay. Somehow it gets confirmed that the guy who was trying to bunt wasn't trying to bunt. Um, it's a hit by pitch. And then the game just completely unravels on Nick, and he gave up five runs in that one. So his numbers recently are blown up by that. Yep. But for the past, you know, 15 out, like 7-4-70 ERA. Uh, but when you expand it out, 3-5-1 with a four on the year. You know, pretty, pretty like, mediocre guy. You know, not, 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 not amazing. But the Padres have been using him as their eighth inning closer. Craig's talked about this. I'm going to talk about it now. The Padres are not doing Nick Martinez a service, and they're weakening their baseball team with how they're using him. As a one-inning, uh, eighth-inning, or, or, or leverage-use thing. He's a guy who should be pitching multiple innings, coming in and pitching every other day, every third day, to give you one or two, regardless of your situation. If it's keeping you in a game, he can do that. Uh, and if he's ahead... He can give you length if you insist on pulling your starter in the sixth inning every every game. So that's my thing. Nick Martinez has not been that great lately, but he's a solid guy who the Padres are not using quite right. Yeah, I tend to agree. I want to look at something. I'm looking at his recent kind of appearances. Yeah, one one inning, one inning, one inning, one point two, one inning, two innings, one 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 two on. May 27th. Um, yeah, I feel like if I go back and look at his game logs from last year when he moved to the bullpen, 
Let's see, where did he move to the bullpen? Probably around here where he started getting holes and saves. Uh, three innings, three innings, two innings, three innings, and then one, 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 one. Yeah. I mean, as as Craig said on the podcast, the whole point of having Nick Martinez and signing him to starter level money, like this is why they won't re-sign him if that's actually a club option, because $16 million is an absurd amount of money to spend on anyone in your bullpen who's not your closer. And yeah. Every year he starts as a starter. They move him to the bullpen for one reason or another. And then he gets to the point that he's only throwing one inning per appearance. And then they're like, oh, he's not stretched out. So we can't have him start. And it's like, would it be that hard to have him pitch two plus innings? You know, not, not when he's going bad, but when he was going good, he had, he had a solid month there of going good. And they're just like one inning, one inning, one inning. Like if you keep him at least a little bit stretched out, then you can do the thing that Craig was talking about where it's like, Hey, we need an emergency starter. Okay, Nick, give us three innings to start off the game. And now we can make it uh, through a bullpen game as opposed to whatever the fuck they're doing. But you know what they're doing? They are, they have talked themselves into or tricked themselves into paying $10 million for Nick Martinez to be a bullpen arm, which I suppose is better than the $10 million they're paying Robert Suarez and Drew Pomerantz to watch baseball games. So that is $30 million they are spending on guys who are not their closer. Yeah. Josh Hader makes 14. He's going to make more next year. Like you can't have a bullpen that makes like $50 million. And if you do, it better be the best damn bullpen this world has ever seen. And instead they're doing this and the the Suarez thing is absolutely their fault. No one was giving him that contract. The Pomerantz thing is absolutely their fault. No one was giving him that contract. The Nick Martinez contract made sense when you were like, well, they're going to try him as a starter. And if it doesn't work out, he can be like a, a good swing man in the bullpen, long reliever, swing man, short guy, whatever you need. And they're not even using him like that. Like the only decent pitcher contract they have signed is the freaking Seth Lugo contract. And that's because he was so cheap because no other team was willing to, to let him start games. So Martinez's um, next year is almost identical to Waka's in that he, uh, the team can trigger a uh, two-year, $16 million per extension. If the team doesn't do that, Nick Martinez has the player option at $8 million, uh, for it. the next two, which okay. is still an incredibly so like, expensive one-inning reliever wait, so if that's who you're making it. So it's it's like literally the most mutual of options in that half of the half of the contract is uh, triggered by the Padres and the other half is triggered by Nick Martinez. So either you're paying him $8 million when you don't want to or yes. you're paying him $16 million, which you're not going to want to because he's not going to be a starting pitcher. Yeah, talking about player-friendly. They're just being really nice and to at, Nick Martinez. At some point... Our, our buddy H.J. Preller slash Padres Jagoff said uh, every every contract the Padres sign is either going to be right at value or the worst contract you've ever seen. <laughs> There's like literally no contracts on this book. Like Tatis was the last one that they had where it was like, oh, yeah, they can make a little money. Off the, oh, no, here, find, sign this extension. We don't want to make money. We just, like they and, and I'm not saying the Tatis contract was a bad idea. It was a great idea. But. 
every contract they have is either fair or terrible. They the have Hassan no Kim deal looks pretty darn good. The They're Hassan... probably underpaying him by at least half. The Hassan Kim deal looks good. They're prop, but they had to deal with like a year ish yeah. of him like figuring his shit out, yeah, sure. and they also had to go find him in Korea. Like, well, they... I mean, yeah. But like this, this gets back to um, a point that everyone's been making about the Padres, and I want to, I want to say, I was the first here because at some point <laughs> you're planting the flag. I'm planting the flag because at some point I said on this podcast, I was like, when is the last time the Padres drafted and developed an actual good, like starting pitcher or starting baseball Ryan player? Ryan Weathers. And yeah, funny. Ryan, and, Ryan Weathers of the House Weathers. And I, I made the mistake of saying like, I can't remember them actually doing this since like Tony freaking Gwynn and, um, and Craig corrected me as he often does this podcast and pointed out that like the last really good player that you could look at, you'd be like, they drafted him, they developed him. He came up with Jake Peavy. I mean, Chase Headley was pretty good. (laughs) He's <laughs> like a 25-win more, more player. At the time we were having that conversation, Chase Headley was a, a, a formerly good player who was very bad, and I don't think we were thinking about it. Let's no, see. he's he's not. He's yeah. He he was he was formerly good at one point. Chase Headley had to do it. Chase Headley is a third baseman who hit more than 14 home runs in a season exactly once. In, in Yankee Stadium, right? No, he did it with the Padres in twenty twelve. It was like the coolest month ever. He had like twenty home runs in a month. That's right. That's right. It was awesome. He finished fifth in MVP voting. He won a gold glove. He won a silver slugger. He hit and that's in twenty twelve. This is how fucked up like baseball can be. In twenty twelve, Chase Headley hit thirty one home runs and hundred and fifteen RBIs. Those are like double his normal numbers. And then the next year, next year we're like, oh man, we finally unlocked twenty-seven-year-old, yeah, twenty-eight-year-old Chase Headley. He just hit his prime. We're gonna have five years of thirty home runs, hundred RBIs. This is what we needed. And he went right back to let's see, next year, thirteen home runs, fifty RBIs. Like every single year outside of that one year is that he's like. People talk about Brady Anderson. It's like, oh, that was the obvious, the like fifty home, yeah, the, the 50, fifty home run, run season. Year, yeah. The Chase Headley thirty home run season <laughs> is nearly as bad as the fifty home run Brady Anderson season. It's very close. I'm, I'm not, I'm raising, I'm not raising any allegations. Chase Headley's a beloved Padre. I'm wearing this hat in his honor. I'm not wearing this hat in his honor. I'm wearing this hat because they lose and they stink, and this is the era this team reminds me of. Blue and white for people that aren't watching blue and white. It's a valid thing, man, especially when you see the Braves, you know, have, uh, you know, their all-star in waiting, Vaughn Grissom, come into spring training and kind of suck. So they're like, all right, who's the next one up? Orlando Arcia. Oh, he's just going to start in the all-star game. Because development has value. And the Padres have been without an actual developmental system since 1995. Like they're literally a team without a developmental system or like this is, this is a debate. Like, do they have a great one now? Because everyone wants to buy their prospects. Well, their prospects go to other teams and like generally aren't very good. Like tell me CJ Abrams is lighting the world on fire with the nationals right now. 
like i guess mackenzie gore kind of is right that, yeah, that kind of speaks to the prospecting rating system as a whole i mean you kind of see that cj abrams was never going to have power to to be where, where he was projected to be but well, he had I mean, a bomb though he had a bomb with the padres and it was like here we go five tool player <laughs> man he came and hit a bomb against the padres that um, too they they have the the boys did a pretty good thing on this with uh on the pods above replacement i didn't get to listen to all of it yet but i started it and comparing aj preller's draft classes namely to the dodgers and you just see him getting smoked over and over again over and over again in, in the developmental stages not necessarily in the pedigree of the where they're drafted or where they're picked it's just what happens to them next and I mean, I hate it. Feels like they're almost like the Angels in that regard, right? I mean, Artie Moreno, known for not spending money anywhere that isn't on his roster, you know, he he'll spend eighty million dollars on a on a twenty dollar twenty million dollar pitcher every other year, but they they don't they don't put any money into the. They just recently gave their players housing because it was required of them. You know, they don't they don't look at them as human beings that they're being. Uh, nurtured and and brought to be a major leader they just expect it to be kind of like closer to nfl where like we drafted you you're ready come on uh play to your level and we'll promote you from there yeah i i hate to compare the padres to to the angels who have that notorious you know approach hopefully it's changing and maybe that's what they allude to in this ac peach where peter seiler AC Peach. I AC want to Peach. see that, that AC Peach. Bring it on. <laughs> um, Jesus. Uh, that AC piece uh, where he has a conversation with Peter Seidler. Peter Seidler promises both changes and that AJ Preller and uh, CEO Eric Grubner are going nowhere. So what, what does that mean? What, what Does that mean you're changing roles and investing in development? That's not no, the worst I mean, it, it, promise. I, I, my, my guess is that means he believes in his guys and he's going to go to them and go, Hey guys, what do we need? And Preller's going to go uh, more running, make them run more. And it's a wind sprint. Alonzo. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Or, or hope, we need Otani. If we just get Otani, everything will come together and we'll start winning. But like this team this year proved that you can have all the star power in the world and it really doesn't matter. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You also need the depth. You also need the chemistry. You also need the scouting, the analytics, the development. You need good players at AAA that can help you when there's a hole, like... You, you also just need, like, I'm a big believer, and this is all sports. I, I used to believe this about the Chargers. I believe it about the NBA. I think you need an infusion of youth, like, every year. Like just that ev- testosterone coming from the children. Every year, you need, like, a rookie that comes in that all the players, all the veterans can, like, take under their wing. 
and he fires them up and he starts the the giants with bruce bruce bochi they used to win world series every other year they were so good every year it was like oh now it's uh pablo sandoval now it's buster posey now it's joe panic now it's brandon crawford and it was like every year they would have someone come up and like right out of the, the gate they play good they play good consistently and you'd see like oh uh uh Buster Posey has really taken Joe Pan or uh, Jim JT Snow. No, who's the Brandon Belt? Brandon Belt has really taken Joe Panic under his wing and making sure. sure making sure that he's got all the answers that he needs and that he's doing the right things and he's eating the right way and he's got his mind set up. And like the the reporters in San Diego have enough access. If shit like that was happening, we'd see it, we'd hear about it. Oh, but they, also, they would love to lap it up. They would love it. Yes, and like I remember last year that. I, I read the same story from four different reporters as if it was like inside information from all of them. It was after the first Suarez game when he got absolutely drilled and they were like, Oh, uh, the, the manager and the pitching coach and so, like Manny Machado or something all went up to him and gave him a beer. And they were like, don't worry, kid. It's going to be all right. You're here with us. You're not going back down. You're going to get your chance. You're going to, you saw it, it with them. Mackenzie Gore last year talking about guys who successfully developed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess there was a little bit of that last year. Last year felt like it was the whole, the whole pitching staff felt young last year because like Snell was trying to bounce back from, um, God, I never remember his name. The guy I used to call father time. The pitch I think he... you're seeding your own point here. I think it was a lot of Mackenzie Gore and with Sean Manaya being the goofy guy and they had a little baby duck to, yeah. to help and, nurture. And like, and and Sean Maniah was was important. And like Bob Melvin, like when he went and got Sean Maniah, like flat out said he's a good pitcher and he's a great guy to have in the clubhouse. Who was the guy this year that Bob Melvin got to bring in to be his great guy in the clubhouse? Like I don't know. It like Nell, they, Nelly's your one like vibe signing. But Nelly's not yeah. a he's not like Melvin's guy. No, I agree. Right? I, I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm along. Yeah, you. I'm not saying Melvin always needs to grab someone from his tenure somewhere else to bring in, but like. I don't know if this, this, well, what the Padres have done by giving all these huge contracts out is giving yourself a trap, a cage of your own making. You can't bench Sander Bogarts when he's hitting like a replacement player because he's not, you, you, you've paid him like a star of the game. You can't bench Jake Cronenworth uh, when he's playing like a sub replacement player because you gave him this extension and you don't want to break him. You want to prop them up and keep them going. So instead of propping up rookies or guys that are, are fresh to the game, you're propping up the guys who should be self-sustaining and, and, and like the guys pulling the club, not not helping pick up the people who have fallen down a little bit. I mean, the other thing is um, with a lot of these guys, uh, players, coaches, managers, a lot of them, they understand that like, the the team only has a certain amount of money to go around, right? They can't spend endlessly, despite what Peter Seidler may believe. And so they know that how much money they make is their financial worth to the team. Xander Bogart's making $25 million this year. Yu Darvish making $25 million this year. Juan Soto making $23 million this year. Musgrove, 20 Machado, 17 Blake Snell, 16 Josh Hader, 14 Nick Martinez, 10 Tatis makes seven point seven million this year. How much do you think Bob Melvin makes? Uh, yeah, but they know that man. Like uh, on a on a on a film set, like 
we all know our job and, and what, what the rate is for that job. I mean, AJ Preller doesn't make all that much compared to these guys. Like he's, he's getting told by Peter Seiler to give all this money too, but knowing a- his paycheck. But AJ Preller has the power to trade any of them like that. Yeah. AJ Preller has the power to fire Bob Melvin like that. Bob Melvin doesn't have power. Bob Melvin's just a nice guy. Like, according to what we've seen in several different places, Bob Melvin probably doesn't even pick the lineup or who goes on the field. What power does Bob Melvin have? Why would they have to listen to him? Why would they have to respect him? Like, if you're on the Oakland A's, you got to respect him. The old Arizona Diamondbacks, you got to respect him because that's that's a young team with a bunch of young players who are not making a lot of money, and Bob Melvin is their key to getting in the lineup card, getting on the field, and and achieving their hopes and dreams of being a big league player. All of them know that all they need to do to get that is Preller. What is Bob Melvin doing? Like, I think, and we could, I could actually go back and figure this out, but I think when Bob Melvin was signed, we were like, good, A.J. Preller can take a step back from babysitting and let yeah. Bob Melvin run the clubhouse. And then we hear reports that like Bob Melvin is putting down uh, uh, things and saying, no members of the front office are allowed in my clubhouse. Well, man, that would be great if texting didn't exist. Like if if phones didn't exist, if Zoom calls it, you think Preller can't send Machado a text saying, hey, come see me in my office real quick when you're done with batting practice? Like he 100% can and probably does. Like I think... Bob Melvin signed up for this because he didn't want to be part of whatever the sinking ship in Oakland is. Bless his heart. And because the Padres probably threw a bunch of money at him, which for an MLB manager, I don't know, make him $2 million a year, $1 million a year, something like that, which probably seemed like a, a big upgrade. I think, from, I think he's around two and a half, three and a half. Sure. It's, it's probably a big upgrade from what Oakland was paying him. So he's like, yeah, go make more money. I get a great team. I get to live in San Diego. I don't have to deal with whatever this Oakland stadium thing is. Great. I'll absolutely do that. And I think he got here. Actually, there was murmurings that he got here and he was already concerned about how involved Preller was. And then the Mania thing happened, and it was like, "Oh, this is an olive branch." But aren't aren't the aren't the A's like the prototypical club for having front office involvement? Like, wouldn't he be accustomed to that coming in? I, they were. I don't know that they are anymore. They were, and maybe it was you know maybe Bob Melvin found a good rhythm where they finally trusted him. And he was like, look, guys, I know this stuff backwards and forwards. I know what you want me to do. Just leave me alone. Let me run my club. Like he was there for a while. Like I, I imagine I after- every modern manager knows that you're going to have analytical involvement and that's going to come from the front office. That doesn't come from the clubhouse. There's no, there's no trainer running the numbers. It's a guy in khakis or, or the Tevas, you know, some, some, Tivas? some cubicle Tevas. Yeah. The T-E-V-A's, the, the sandals that you wear socks with. I they, wouldn't, they I wouldn't socks. commit a crime like that, Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry. All I'm saying is like there in the modern game of baseball, which is like rumors. I, 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 I have a hard time talking about them because I, I almost throw them as anti-facts. Like if this is, says it can't be true. Like, the thing that went around today with the list of seven rumors, the, the most outrageous of them were given credence because you believe a couple of them. And, and so what I, 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 I built up an anti-rumor thing. I, I, I think it's very unlikely that Bob Melvin put up a, a, a no 
nobody from the front office is allowed in period he may have said hey aj uh uh unfortunately the rumors from the from my signing were wrong and you're not taking a step back <laughs> and and you're continuing to micromanage and, and you know loom over baseball operations like it is almost this is almost reported fact as the guy does and we can see it with our eyes right but uh, okay but sorry to cut you off i just want to make this point so when you move players' positions, you kind of fuck with their value, right? Like we saw, we've seen this with with Jake Cronenworth, where like you move him from second to first, and that player is not nearly as valuable at first base as he is at second base, which is why and this he... is with all sorts of value. I, I looked into this, right. and the only hard numbers we have are on fielding, and it messes them up as fielders, like for sure. No, no, has but, to mess them up as hitters too. But but like it it messes with their war and it also messes with like their salary, right? Like an average first baseman makes a different amount of money than an average shortstop, right? That's a hundred percent true. An average catcher makes more money than an average center fielder, maybe. I don't know. Um, but each position has its own value. That's why when you go into uh Spo track and here I'll click on one. Sure. Yeah, uh yeah. and, and you click on Xander Bogarts, it says he uh his cap hit is number five amongst short stops right this year um all that stuff matters i can imagine a situation where bob melvin told aj preller hey uh i want to move uh bogarts to sec or i want to move bogarts to dh i want to move jake back to second i want to move kim back to short and let's figure out something else at first base, or I want to put Carpenter there, or something like that. Something that moved Bogarts off of shortstop, which I know he's been a good defensive shortstop, but like stick with me. He something has that, not been the last week. You're, I, that's I'm, true. Yeah, yeah. He's been falling but, off. But this season. Um, but like let's let's imagine he wanted to move Bogarts off shortstop, or he wanted to move Cronenworth off first, sure. or something yeah, yeah. like that. He can't just do that. He yeah, can't we just, don't. The, it he, sounds like the club's made promises to Xander Bogarts, which is bizarre. But also, like a manager doesn't have the ability, at least with the San Diego Padres, and I don't think probably with any team, to just change a player's position. Every time Will Myers' position changed, that wasn't whatever manager was here. That was AJ Preller saying, "Hey, uh, this guy's a first baseman now." Yeah, and so in that regard, like I can envision a scenario where Bob Melvin was like, "Hey, what I need to make this team is this," and AJ Preller was like, "No." Or even sure. maybe maybe Melvin told Bogarts like, "Hey, we're gonna move you DH for a little while and hope that that helps. Maybe it's a little easier on your wrist. You don't have to field balls. Blah blah blah." Sure, and, dude. Line Bogarts, up. I feel like he's done this in the rotation too with the call ups. Like when Reese Kinnear got called up, it was obvious Bob Melvin didn't want to start Reese Kinnear, and yeah. then he left him in longer yeah. than you kind of would have thought. And while watching that, my only thought was like, "Is this a message about the roster?" Let's let's finish here because I can see now that we've already done this for an hour and yeah, we sorry to jump. This we is could, how I kind of operate. It's fine. Uh, we could probably go on for two hours and I wouldn't have even noticed. I just I heard my daughter screaming downstairs, which means it's almost time for me to go. Um, let's bring this full circle. I'm going to put a big, big flashing um, trigger warning right here trigger warning <laughs> i want to talk uh, about the chargers there, there for a will, second there will be no there will be no like text on the screen i do not have the capacity i'm doing it 
Just imagine it. Trigger warning coming across the screen. I want to talk about the Chargers, and I know that that pisses some people off, and then I want to leave after this. So if you don't want to hear about the Chargers, turn it off right now. It's fine. They already got your download. This has been Padre's Hot Tub. Here's Jumps John to bum you all out. Yep. Uh, And I I want to – I'm going to steal from another Padre's podcast. I won't name them, but they are completely ad-free and subscription-free. Can I just ask if you're going to compare AJ's? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yes, I've, I've I had am. This on my mind lately. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal. They've, they've talked about this in their last couple episodes. They compared it to like the pissing match between AJ Smith and yes. Marty uh, Schottenheimer. Yes, where it became this pissing match where it was like we all knew the right thing to do in the last game of a lost season was to start Philip Rivers, but they didn't because AJ Smith was like start Philip Rivers, and Marty Schottenheimer was like you're not gonna fucking tell me what to do. And next thing we knew, Drew Brees' shoulder was torn in a way that no medical professional had ever seen before. And it's like that team, like they eventually had to pick. They had to pick GM or head head coach because you couldn't keep both because they were fighting over power. It was fucking up the roster. It was fucking up the chemistry. AJ Smith was basically drafting a team and handing it to Marty who was using it in a way to fuck up AJ Smith. And it's like that shit right there, the like, you hand me Reese Kinnear and I'm going to leave him in and I don't care if it costs us the fucking game. Like those types of pissing matches, players know that they're happening when they're happening. And then they get really bummed out because then they're like, this shit is not a pissing match for me. I just want to win games. I just want to win rings. I just want to, and I, I, I have to go get lit up because one guy pissed off another guy. This is not fun. This is not cool. And like shit like that is so, so poisonous. And the problem that we have, and I would mention this in every episode of Padres Hot Tub if I was doing it this season. The problem we have is that sports teams, and it's maybe even more so in baseball, have realized that they do not need to be the least bit transparent for their fans to stick around. So they are, what's, what's the, what's the opposite of transparent? Opaque. They are opaque. They are opaque. So we don't know if there is a problem between Preller and Melvin, because if there was, they'd never tell us. And some GMs like this, like this, this shadiness, the shadow world more than others, none more so than AJ Preller. Man's got a history of like fucking with everything. Um, I just, I, I look at all of this and I'm like, I feel like this is, I used to, I used to hang out with a couple of chargers executives. We'd go out and have drinks every now and then uh, when the chargers were in town. And anytime the conversation would get back to like, Hey, what's, what's wrong with X part of the Chargers? Didn't matter what PR, the, the, the social media, whatever they would always say it rots at the top. And it comes all the way down. And I'd be like, what's wrong with like the radio broadcast? Whatever, It rots at the top. It comes all the way down. This is not me saying your boy Papa P is rotten. But I think the guy with the keys, not the guy who bought the car, the guy with the keys. And maybe another guy who sometimes gets to have the keys on the weekend. I think they're fighting. And that is rotting things. And it's going all the way down to the players is my only thing but we'll never know we'll have well, no idea until let's wrap it up this way um if you go and read that kevin ac piece on peter seidler you will come away with the impression that peter seidler is a gigantic fan of the game and a gigantic fan of owning a baseball team i'm sure he is and if you listen to this podcast you've heard one approach that is more of a fan based 
more of a optimistic, more of happy to be here and show up and wear this hat. Uh, and you've heard the more business-minded, sensible, some would say uh, the type of attitude that wins championships rather Trade than them all. hats. Trade them all, Chris. This has been Padre's Hop Tub. We are hoping for uh, another, uh, uh, for, oh, should I fucking say another? We're hoping for a winning streak is what we're hoping for uh, so that the uh, the trade deadline doesn't loom quite as large and we don't lose quite as many of the players we enjoy doing the broadcasts. I'll just finish with saying that Blake Snell can always come back and replace Mark Grant. This is Chris Reed. John, would you please say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye, everybody. Go Padres. You know the other thing you can do when you trade him? You can sign him back later. That's right. And that's the that's that's the thing about <laughs>